Heavenly Father, we bless you and thank you that you have seen fit to save sinners. We know that the world you created was good. We know that uh, men and women, uh, a man and a woman fellowshiped with you and that sin ruined that. Sin touched everything and even the ground is cursed. We know that you saw the problem of sin and we know that you have burst into, you have interrupted uh, humanity to, to deliver a Savior that we didn't even want. Oh, we, we bless you and thank you, Lord, for doing that. We thank you that you have saved us, that you've loved us with an everlasting love, and that uh, you have loved us even while we were sinners and sent someone to save us. So this Christmas morning, Lord, we pray that our hearts would be full of joy as we reflect upon your goodness expressed to us in Christ Jesus and his full work on the cross. And we pray it in his name. Amen. We said this was going to be family style, didn't we? <laughs> well, this is my family. This is a portion of my family. These are uh, my five grandchildren. Uh, this is Kolya. He was the uh, young man who was adopted from Russia and is nine. That's Stan. And his brother over here is James. Those are the Smythes. And this one, who I just broke her neck. <laughs> this is the youngest. This is Charlotte. Charlotte James. Uh, she's a Livingston. And uh, this is Kolya's little sister. And this over here is Harry James. This is James, this is Harry James, and this is Charlotte James. How the other two got away, I don't know. But um, um, this, is why, this is why I think we all enjoyed this day, didn't it? Um, the Lord Jesus talks about bringing peace among men. Well, guys, with all the flaws and all the... Uh, the the differences of opinion that even in my, exist in my family, there is peace in our family. And I know we're grateful for that, aren't we? Let's pray together. Our Father, we do thank you for all of the kindnesses that you've shown us, and they are many. Were we to number them, they would, um, they would far exceed our ability to uh, remember. And I pray, O oh God, that we might not forget that what we have and what we enjoy is because of your great bounty to us. That we are who we are because you have seen fit to grace us so wonderfully. I thank you that, that my marriage has been such a joy. I thank you that my children are in enjoyable marriages. And the rest of us, Father, who can say those things, we're so doggone grateful to you. We're so glad that you have intervened in our lives to save us. And then give us such bounty. And the bounty isn't the iPod and it's not the new watch. The bounty is something far deeper, far more profound. And we give you the entirety of the credit for it. We would not steal from you that which is only yours. And what we enjoy at the base of our souls is something that we didn't produce, we can't achieve, we can't merit, but you have given it. You are a great and good God, and we thank you for giving. We thank you for giving your Son so that there is a, a hope within us that cannot be extinguished. We are a people of joy. We are a people of love. We are a people of hope because of the great and good things that you have done. Now, Father, accept our praise. We, uh, we offer it from the from every fiber of our being, and then take our monies 
and use them for the advancement of this message, this glorious news about the, come, the, the Savior who has come and died in our place. We make our prayer, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I've been in the ministry um, maybe 31 years this, this coming uh, July. And, and uh, you might not know this about preachers, but uh, I keep up with what I preach. I have a little book that uh, some publisher publishes. That uh, in every Sunday, or when I get in the office on Tuesday, I enter what it is that I preach in the text, and and of course I um, I rate your response um, from one to ten, and there's a lot of twos and threes in there. Um, but um, in in trying to give some thought as to what what would be appropriate for this morning, I, I chose a text. I, actually, I'm not sure I chose it, but it, whether it chose me, and then I went back and looked at those records to see whether I had ever preached this text before. And I am uh, somewhat saddened to tell you, I've never preached on this verse before in 31 years of ministry. It's probably uh, the text in the New Testament. It's probably uh, the most widely known verse uh, by anyone. And I have never preached it. But then I told myself I'd been saving it for Christmas morning. So... Here it is. It's found in the Gospel of John, as um, you might expect, the third chapter. It is the um, it is the glorious promise of verse 16 that simply states, and most of you don't even need your Bibles. Um, I don't need mine, and you probably don't need yours, but it, it goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son... That whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but not that. Not that promise. The promises in the word of our God endure forever, including that grand and glorious promise. It's all over. Um, all the all that remains is a couple of visits for the afternoon and. And then we have to clean up the mess that we made this morning. And then, of course, many of us have to pay for it. That'll take quite a while. All the cooking and all the partying, all the, the shopping and, and the, uh, the wrapping tongues that will never quite be rid of the taste of glue. Uh, there, it's all over. Was it worth it? <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was worth it, wasn't it? It was worth it not because of uh, all the little gadgets that we got and uh, all the little uh, new things that we can enjoy come uh, this afternoon. It's, uh, it was enjoyable, I think, because of loving and being loved. Folks, um, we all long to be loved. Uh, it's, it's one of those irresistible, unavoidable urges we're, um, we're drawn to people who love us. Our friends we choose because we think they love us. We choose spouses because we, we got this notion that they would love us back. It feels so good to be loved. Um, you can never get enough of that stuff. Uh, being loved. Uh, you know, the, the more people who love us and the more, the, the, the more ways they find to demonstrate that love to us, the better. 
because we never have enough. We want more people to love us and we want them to love us in brand new ways. It doesn't matter because you can never get enough uh, of that. You can never slake that insatiable thirst, that unquenchable thirst within us to be loved. And, and the primary way that we, that we express love in this month-long celebration that concludes this morning, the way that we, um, that we express love is, is by giving gifts. We, uh, we like to give things to tell people they're loved. And, and the, the best ones are those unexpected gifts, those gifts that we didn't, we didn't know were coming, we didn't see coming, and they showed up anyway, and, and there was a certain thrill to them, those, those ones that weren't quite expected. But, you know, something tells me that, that um, we're not the ones that thought up this idea, that is, the idea of um, expressing love through gift-giving. You know, I've got this hunch that, that somebody else had that idea long before we did. And here's my proof. It's in my text. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And every gift that has been given to express love since then is nothing more than a reflection of that gift. Our giving to express love is something we learned. We learned it from a God who expresses love by, by giving. Did you see the commercial over this month-long thing here? It, um, it started in late November. Uh, I, I bet you saw it. It was, it was good. I, I liked it. It was, uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't a jewelry store that it wasn't Zales. It wasn't K's. It was the Diamond Makers or Diamond Brokers of America. Because uh, I, I, I looked for it after I, but anyway, it, this, this commercial, it opens with this man. He's on his cell phone and he doesn't tell you who he's talking to, but it's obviously a woman. And, and, um, he says, he's apologizing. I, I can't make it. I'm not going to be able to get there. He's in an airport. Did you see it? He's in an airport and it's snowing outside and he's telling the woman, he said, I, I, you know, I can't make it. Um, we're snowed in, the, the airport's shut down, nobody's budging. I, I'm sorry, but I, I won't be able to make it. He hangs up his phone and looks all dejected and defeated and he, uh, he kind of slumps down and he, he reaches into his pocket and he, he pulls out this, this gift box and um, uh, he opens it up and inside is a diamond necklace. Seen this? And, and he looks at it and, and, um, and then he closes it up and he puts it back in his coat and, and he, he, he thinks for this few brief seconds. And then all of a sudden it's like a light goes on in his head and he reaches over and he grabs his, this bag and he, and he runs out the door of the airport into this snowy night to do who knows what he's going to do. But then the commercial closes with the tagline. And the, and the tagline of this commercial, I, I love, it says, And what would you do for love this Christmas? Well, what would you do? What did you do? I can tell you what God did. He gave. You know, um... There is a principle that we all know is the truth. Uh, we, we know this. I mean, I'm not making this up. You know, it is, you know it long before I even tell you about it. But the principle is that men who love much 
They give much. You can, you can usually measure the truth of one's love by the number of self-denials and the number of sacrifices that are contained in that love. Little love usually sacrifices little. I didn't make that up. Jesus taught it in Luke 7. People who love a lot give a lot. You know, that's woven into the warp and the woof of humanity. If you love, you, you, uh, you find, you find giving coming fairly natural. So if that principle is true, and we all know it is, how much would you say that God loved? Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon tells a story about a family that lived in East Africa during a period, I don't know which nation, but they lived in East Africa, Eastern Africa, and it was a period of drought and famine in their land, and their whole family was starving. And so the mother and dad decided that the only way that they could, uh, the only idea they had to avoid starvation is to sell one of their children into slavery. They didn't want to do that. The, the, the idea was wroth to them, but, but they, they didn't know how to avoid, uh, uh, you know, this dying of starvation. And so they, they tried to hold on a little bit longer, and the longer the famine went, the hungrier they got, the more this became a real possibility. And so they sat down one night, and they decided, okay, we're going to sell one of our, our children into slavery. And they had four sons. So they, they began to debate which son they were going to sell into slavery. And, and so they started with the, the oldest, the firstborn. And they said, no, we can't, we can't sell him. He's our firstborn. He's our heir. He's our, you know, the, 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 the beginning of our strength. We, we, we can't sell him. And so the, they came to the second and the, and the mother looked at the husband and said, well, we can't sell him because he looks so much like you and he reminds me so much of you and he's got all of your ways and you're in, and we just can't sell him. And, and he replied, well, we can't sell number three because he looks so much like you and he reminds me of you and all of, all of his temperaments just like you, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to part with him. And so they come to the fourth son and they said, we can't sell him. I mean, he's our darling. He's our baby. He's our last. We can't sell, we can't sell him. And, and they concluded that they would rather, they would rather die together than willingly part with any of their sons. In essence, they said, take my life, but don't take away one of my sons. So again, could I ask you, in light of that story, how much would you say God loved his people? You know, you mothers and fathers that are out there this morning sitting next to your darlings, look at them. Would you, um, would you be willing for one of them to die? Would you be willing for one of them to give one of them to die for your enemies? Would, would you be willing for, to give up one of those that are seated around you to die that death? You know, you can almost understand the pride of a mother and a father who watch their son march off to war to defend the country and possibly die. But would you sacrifice your son to be killed as a hated criminal? Would you sacrifice your son knowing he would die that death? God did. And why did he do that? Oh, you're told in the text. 
You're told why he did it. Because he so loved. That's how much God loved. So. (laughs) It was love that was so deep and so wide and so strong that even the inspired pen of the gospel writer John could not describe it. It was as if he were attempting the impossible and the Holy Spirit shuts him up, shuts John up to one little simple adverb. So, the amount that God loved is impacted into that one little word, so. He so loved. You know, I, I read a story recently, and you, you may have read it also, about the church that was is going to put on the Christmas pageant. And uh, it, the, the fifth grade Sunday school was going to put on a Christmas pageant. You know, the, the, uh, the, the birth of Jesus story thing. And, and um, so the teacher was all excited about putting on this, this pageant. And, but she realized she had one problem. And the, and the one problem that she had was that there was a little boy in the fifth grade class that was, he was just slower than the other kids in the class and and but he so much wanted to be in the pageant and so the teacher didn't have the heart to to say he couldn't be in the pageant so she she thought about it a lot she finally came up with an idea that she thought was absolutely fail safe it was it was uh, foolproof i mean she it was just perfect she was going to assign him the role of the innkeeper and and the innkeeper only had one line and, and that one line that he had was simply this, go away. All he had to do was to deny Mary and Joseph from entering into the inn. And so she thought, what a great idea. And so she, she gave the part to, to little Eddie was his name. And, and she gave him the assignment. And he was to say, all he, all he had to do was say that one little line, go away and then he was to have one gesture one sweeping gesture with the with a menace uh, a, a a frown on his face as he says go away that, that's what eddie was assigned to do and so he practiced and he practiced and he practiced and so the night of the the um the uh, pageant arrived and and um, uh, everybody was all excited, and the, and the pageant began to unfold. And, and sure enough, uh, here come, got to the place in the pageant where here comes Mary and Joseph, who were walking very slowly across the stage, and they had, were all bundled up in their coats because it's cold in Palestine, you know. And, and um, uh, her belly was sticking out because she was great with child. And, and so they come to the door, and there's little Eddie behind the door on the stage, and he can't wait for his moment. And, and uh, they come to the door of the inn, and Joseph knocks on the door and says, Please, sir, my wife is about to have a baby. Do you have a place? Do you have a room in the inn for us? And so Eddie looked at him, and he said, Go away. And the, and the teacher was thinking, perfect. And, and, you know, even, even the gesture, I mean, it was just, it was just, he sweeped the air with this, this violent, menacing frown in his face. Go away. It was perfect. Then he slammed the door. It was perfect. Perfect. So Mary and Joseph turned to walk away and, and there, in, in, in a few brief moments, the door Swings open again and 
And there's Eddie standing in the door, bawling his little eyes out and shaking his head. And he's pleading with Mary and Joseph, please come back. Please come back. I've changed my mind. You, you can have my room. Now, you know, that's not how the script goes. But my point is, guys, it's, it's almost like there's a divine eddy. And the thought of turning his people away and to seeing them perish was just abhorrent to him. And so he comes to the place in the unfolding of redemptive history and he says, I can't stand to see them perish. Okay, okay, okay. Take mine. Take my son. You know, gang, what I'm about to say is almost heresy. It's pretty close. And I, 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 I probably ought to be wiser than to say something like this. But putting it very strangely, it is as if God loved us better than he loved his only son. Because he will spare him. He will not spare him so that he can spare us. He is willing to do what it takes so that he won't have to send his people away. And what was there in us that that should make him love us? In fact, there was a whole lot in us that would evoke his displeasure. And yet, he loved. No, no. He so loved that he gave. That's how much he loved. You know, I heard someone say recently... They said that the only religion which will save you is the one that you can hardly believe is true. If that's true, this is the religion that will save you. Because you can hardly believe that something like that is the truth. Karl Barth, uh, a name familiar to some of you, Karl Barth was considered by many as the greatest theologian of the 20th century. He, uh, he wrote voluminously, but one of the things that he wrote was an eight-volume set of systematic theology. Uh, but that wasn't all he wrote, but, um, I mean, it's, it's massive. But towards the end of Karl Barth's life, one of his students approached him and said, Dr. Barth, he said, could, I have a question. Could you tell me what is the most profound thought that you've ever had the most profound thought that you've ever read or written or heard or taught. What is the most profound thing that you've ever heard, Dr. Barton? And he thought about it a minute and he said, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Gang. If the only religion that will save you is the one that's, too, that's almost too hard to believe, it's this one. It's almost too hard to believe 
that this God would find a way to love somebody like me. My friends, God didn't just love. He so loved that he gave. And Christmas, for countless sinners, became merry. My friend, God is giving away Christ today to all who will believe on him. Can you possibly refuse such a perfect gift? Can you refuse a gift of being so loved? Can you, can you decline such an offer? Surely not. For God so loved us, He gave. He so loved His people. He loved them, and He loves them still. And the proof is found in a a squirming little baby in an animal food trough. Would you stand with me? Our Father, in the midst of all that we've experienced in the last weeks and in the last hours, remind us of the very heart of what we believe. Remind us that it is Christ Jesus in all of his beauty, in all of his excellence, that is the only reason for any of us to have hope beyond the grave. Remind us that it is, it is never a piece of merit. It is never a, an, an act or a performance or a deed or a piece of well-doing on our parts that has made us acceptable in your sight. But it is Him. It is this Christ This one who is altogether lovely. It is Christ and Christ only that has readied us to stand before you in confidence and joy. Oh God, as we leave here to return to our presence, might the greatest gift that resonates in the base of our souls now be that we possess Forgiveness. We are forgiven for sin of the past. We are forgiven for sin of the present. And even the sin of this afternoon and tomorrow and ten years from today. It's been forgiven. Because of the great and mighty work of one whose birth we celebrated today. We love you, Lord Jesus. We know that our love in no way matches the love that you have distributed to us, your people. But grant us grace that we might love you all the more. We make our prayer in the name of Christ Jesus. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and 
and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen.